Chapter 53 Tracing the Void He found me vomiting, the forest all round us in flames. I couldn't look at him, gasping for breath, retching on air, seeing only the bodies of the children. He doesn't say anything. And there's nothing I want to say. Trees on fire. Splinters of gutted homes all around us. Not even proper houses. More like log cabins. Tent homes. Ruptured. Burned. Scarred by gunfire. Stained with blood. I don't want to look at him, and there's nothing I want to say. I don't need to ask, I know why I'm here. They used me to protect themselves from the wild poetry. They used me. It makes perfect sense, finding me in the forest having survived an encounter with an errant verse. They search me, prep me, raid my mind, leave me in such a state that I don't leave town. The poetry hunters want me, but they set me up to want them. They test me, chasing a poem through the forest. Did they drive that monstrous verse to me? Did we follow something they had set loose to test me? I don't know. On my knees, hugging my ribs, unable to speak. I know they found use for me. And this massacre is my fault. They never would have attempted something like this without me. The encounter in the wood with the other poetry hunters, proof of that. Turning upon each other had drawn the attention of the wild verse. Dark poems feasted and fed, and the poetry hunters had done nothing. They didn't know. They didn't care. They were used to it doing what they could, surviving as best they could. But I had changed all that. I had driven the evil poem away. The poetry hunters could do something they had never done before. They could attack the other poetry hunters. They had found someone who could protect them from the ravages of their bloody work and keep the vampire verse away. So they kept me around tested me, showed me how to hunt the wild poems, took me on hunts to strengthen my skill. Once they were ready, once they were confident I could protect them from the poetics of war, they took the fight to their enemies, finding them in their beds, killing them as they slept, showing no mercy for women, 
children because I was there to protect them. What am I doing here? Looking for a book that James Joyce never wrote? He doesn't say anything, and I can't answer. I don't want to say anything. Ask questions I already know the answers to. I don't want to ask him why. I know why. I saw it in his eyes. I saw the hatred that's older than memory and burned into his soul. Maybe someone once knew, lost long ago in the depths of time. Doesn't matter. Nobody ever asks why. The Montagues and the Capulets wage war, and that's all that matters. Two houses, both alike in rank and name, or however it goes. Nobody has to ask why. It just is. Fighting over who gets to hunt the wild poetry. Nobody has I want him to apologize, sitting next to me, as I wipe my lips, tasting the vial, saying nothing. I want him to say he's sorry. I imagine it. I pretend to hear his voice in my ear so that I can snap at him, cut him off mid-word. I imagine myself telling him where he can stick his apology, where he can stuff his explanations and justifications. Ask him why, without words, only in my head. He looks at me. I already know the answer, but what the hell? I want him to ask anyway. He seems like such a nice guy. How could he do what he does? Lead his people to murder, to kill, burn homes, set fire to children, Cecil. The men. I can almost understand killing the men. They would kill you just as quick. But the women, children, raping little boys, young girls, laughing as their mothers cry. No, I will never understand Brat Greywald. So I leave him, standing, feeling every joint and muscle creak and burn, walking on bones that might turn to powder at any moment, feeling the heat on my face from the flames, saying nothing. Brat doesn't try to stop me, doesn't say anything. I don't even know if he watched me go, leaving the flames, leaving the ruins stained with blood, the poetry hunters cheering, celebrating their victory shooting guns into the air, having a second go with the women they didn't kill the first time. Even Greywald's daughters join, with sticks, knives, broken bottles, safe from poem and shadow. I can't stay, wandering away into the forest beyond the flames. I'm kind of surprised that it's still dark. Maybe that's just the smoke from the flames. I don't know. I don't care. I'll be away. I'll continue my search for Lucifer's widow. Fuck Lucifer's widow. I'm going home. I'll return to Del Morgan empty-handed. And if I'm very lucky, she'll kill me.
which is not what I wanted. I remember that as I wander the wood. If I return to Del Morgan with nothing, what will she have done with me? Kill me? No. She'll let me be. Ask nothing more of me. I will have nothing. I'll be nothing. As empty as that jack I left in the common market. I would have my heart. I would have my life. I can't do that sitting on Del Morgan's couch. Watching TV. Eating her food. I will be free. And I remember looking for Dragon's Breath, how it had turned into a quest for the water of life. And I remember thinking that Dragon's Breath had been misdirection for the water of life. One cannot seek life, draws too much attention. Seek Dragon's Breath and be tricked into finding the water of life. That is how things work around here. So again, I wonder why Del Morgan has sent me after a book that James Joyce never wrote. By what strange path have I found myself among poetry hunters? And I know I'm not wandering blind through the wood. I am looking for survivors. I don't know what I'll do. Not yet. Protect them? Stop the Grey Wolf poetry hunters from slaughtering them? Yes. I would learn their name was Shane. Not yet, but I'm tired of trying to distinguish between two groups, both called poetry hunters. One is Grey Wolf, the other Shane. I'll learn that eventually. Get used to it now. The problem is that I don't know how to stop the fighting. Bring the sides together. It's impossible. Watching Greywald, I know. There are no words between Greywald and Shane. Only violence, only bloodshed and death. Horrible torture and death. The only way to protect the Shane is to turn on the Greywald. And that makes as much sense as protecting a frog by sticking your hand in the blender. I'll stop death by killing? Yes. That is the way of things. What Del Morgan wants me to do. There must be another way. I can't imagine it. There's another way. It still means turning on the gray wall. Blood for blood. We'll all be blind and toothless. But it's the only thing we can do. We must bite the hand that protects us. I must convince the Shane to rise up against their patrons of Herfolk. Which is exactly what Del Morgan wants. The patrons of the Library of Forgotten Dreams don't like Del Morgan. She doesn't like them. What would be better than someone upsetting their apple cart, depriving them of the wild poetry? It's the way of things. Which is when I found them. Too soon. It was too soon. I don't want to find them. Shame poetry hunters, lost in the wood, wounded, scared, trying to protect themselves with sticks and stones. Those poetry grounding sticks that look something like a television antenna. Maybe half a dozen people having escaped the carnage, trying to hide. I hadn't been looking for them. I don't want to find them. I was being followed. I don't know.
The gray walled poetry hunters would follow me, thinking I would seek out the shame. They knew I could find anything. I would find those who would escape from them. So I turned, looking into the dark, ignoring the shame. They didn't attack me, only stood threatening, protective of the injured and the children. I didn't say anything. I couldn't say anything. I was looking to the forest, looking for followers. They found me. Morgan Greywald followed me. Not so I could lead him to more shame. He had followed me because he was worried. Wanted to see if I was okay. The shame changed everything. The moment I saw Morgan's face, I watched it change. Seeing me, he was concerned. Seeing who I was with, his thoughts turned to anger. The gun in his hand, suddenly pointing at them. The hunters with Morgan, moving in for the kill. No, I would have none of it. I pulled the wind against them. I don't know how I've stopped trying to understand these things. The same way I juggled fire and lightning so long ago on the beach. The way I burned cannibal frogs in the dark. I turned the world against Morgan and his family. Pulling at the fabric of the trees like a great maelstrom, they fell. Guns lost to the dark in the night. Blinding light fractured the night where a gash was torn in space and time. There were screams, cries of fear, the hot blast of the whirlwind surrounding us all. I pulled at the fire, trying to remembering the firestorm that had swept around me in the tunnels beneath the world, remembering how it had almost consumed me, and I felt the night slipping from my grasp, all the pain and the blood and the death of the night screaming from my lips, poetry hunters killing poetry hunters with guns and knives and fire and bare hands, and I had watched, saying nothing, doing nothing, watching men and women torture sister and brother, there had been no chance of surrender, only destruction in it at all, been my fault. I cried, screaming, pulling at the chaos storm, drenching it in apathy, controlling as I might tame a rogue poem, leaving silence empty as the dark. And the poetry hunters fell on both sides, fearing me and the world I'd opened before them. It took me a moment to realize there was a gap in the trees, an empty space where nothing existed, as if someone had poured white out over a painting. I looked at it. The empty spot of nothingness reached for it, falling short of touching it, and I knew it was my fault, as if I had unmade a piece of the world. That's when I noticed Morgan Greywald, who had been so nice to me, lying in the dirt, clutching at his arm. Gun was gone. Nobody held guns. His arm was gone. Part of it, anyway. He was clutching at the stump, too much pain to scream. The others didn't move. Not the Greywald. Not the shame. They simply looked at me one who destroyed their world forever. They looked at me and did nothing. There was nothing for them to do. There was nothing I could do. I left them.
ignoring both sides. I had much to think about. This audio recording of The Farewell of Gideon and the Tale of the Donkey is copyright 2011 by Keith D. Jones. All rights reserved. <laughs>